Yes, hello again. It's Giovanni McIver here. Yes, I'm back for another edition of By Jove. Yes, indeed. So, today is a day where I do some explaining, um, which my sister says don't do any explaining. But <laughs> this will hopefully be short. Um, in the last episode, of course, I told you that uh, I was uh, considering going over and making a podcast out of this. Um, YouTube is a good place to work, uh, but it doesn't have the ability to have a kind of self, self, a built-in self-advertising part to it. So it just kind of sits there, and you have to f you have to figure out ways of getting eyeballs on it. And many times, uh, it's a viral video that that does that. And I don't think any of my videos are going to be viral. But um, uh, so I decided uh, that instead of seeing my face uh, and using lots of time on my computer to and, and storage uh, memory with all these videos, which can be gigabytes big, I'm going to um, have this as my last video cast. I'm going to go 100% podcast now. I'm going to put some notes down in the YouTube field there to let you know where I'm going to be. But um, I launched my my podcast on on uh, on a, on a podcast software provider, and uh, through their mechanism, they can have it distributed out to pretty much any place you want to, but uh, certainly the majors. So um, the good news is that I'm going to be in going to be available in six different ways: um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Audible, Amazon Music, iHeart, and Spotify. For me, the two biggies there are Apple and Spotify, because that's where I mostly find the things I want to see. Um, but um, so that's what's going to happen. And instead of converting video files to, you know, audio files and saving on a big external hard drive, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, it's going to. And as you can see, my my studio is nothing to be envied, and uh, some might even say, my face, but um, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. It, of course, as I've always said, it's the subject matter that counts, and uh, the subject matter, um, I have no real visual things except to say, you know, uh, here's some things that are coming out of this book, right? Some of the ideas. That have to do with the news or personal accounts or whatever. And this book, Schizosomnia, which are both available on Amazon. We have a third novel coming out next year, so which I'm currently writing. I have a couple more pieces. One is out. Another one is going to be out soon. Um, but they're not complete. They're the first volume of a series of books. Um, one not written by me, and another one, which is um, kind of a memoir-type thing, which um, is out there, but it's probably not of interest to most people, um, but um, in the sense that it's not something that uh, is, is a current affair kind of thing. I think it would be very much of interest to people, but um, this is what it's called, A Good Enough Life. Yeah. So that's also available on Amazon. Um, so 
we'll see about that. Anyway, um, to start today, as you know, I often speak about um, mental health issues and uh, even and by extension health issues. And um, I have a whole bunch of podcasts coming up that I already have ideas for. I'm going to start with this. I'm going to work my way back because this happened to me yesterday. So as you know, I'm a novelist. Um, I'm also a psychotherapist, practicing psychotherapist. Um, my resume includes, you know, of course, I went to social work school. I have practice in the clinic. I uh, practice in a psychiatric hospital in a uh, special ed, special ed uh, high school. And um, then I opened a private practice. And some of the beauty of having a private practice is that you have total control over it once you reach a certain licensure level. And I've attained that for the last, I don't know, five years. You know, this is, a, this is kind of a second career for me um, after my media career. But anyway, um, I'm always interested in how things, you know, work in institutions. Um, and, and, you know, it's very easy to point out the flaws in the institutions. Um, of course, in Descent of Man, Kind of what it's all about. There's a whole bunch of stuff in here about how flawed our mental health institutions are. And to some degree, our medical institutions. Those might even be worse. I don't know. It's a toss-up there. And, you know, and I get into all sorts of scenarios here, which are actually called from real life. This one has some personal stories that are actually true in it. I'm not going to tell you which ones. But uh, there are a couple of stories in here where um, the character has, has, seeks medical attention and uh, gets more than he bargains for. Let's put it that way. He doesn't get very good medical attention, um, but they make for good stories. Um, so, yeah, what I'm going to talk about today is something that actually happened to me. Okay, so... I'm going to try to make this as, as simple as possible and tell you the story. So, I had to go to the doctor yesterday to get lab work done and to get a blood pressure check. And the reason that I'm having these things done, i got to stop clicking my tongue, I keep doing that, is because I have some minor health issues. Okay, so... Throughout my life, I'd had borderline high blood pressure, borderline cholesterol problems, borderline uh, liver enzyme readings. And recently, I got the news that I had a high glucose reading, which was the first time I ever had that. And then they did the A1C test on me, and um, I'm kind of borderline when it comes to sugars. So... Uh, Pre-diabetes, I guess, um, maybe even getting closer to that. So I've decided that uh, I'm going to take care of business because I, I need to take care of my health. I have neglected my health for many, many years, decades. Um, I used to be quite athletic. Then I became very non-athletic for decades. And then it's just recently where I've gotten into uh, a little bit more taking care of myself in terms of exercise, but I kind of let my diet go a little bit. But uh, my mother 
you know, it's descended from people from Italy and the Mediterranean diet is no problem for me. In fact, I'm never hungry in there. So it's easy for me to change my diet. So I already did that. I lost almost 20 pounds in the last two months just by not eating and eating the right things. So um, not worried about the cholesterol, not worried necessarily about the glucose. We'll see if it's a, a systemic thing or not um, once I change the diet and the exercise. Um, the liver enzymes, I, you know, my liver was very carefully checked out, sonograms and, or I mean, ultrasounds and uh, with a, uh, various tests to see if I have this, that, or next thing, which I don't. And they've been up in the past and all I have to do is stop drinking, which is what I did. And I don't drink that much, but, you know, and they instantly go down. So, you know, I'm never, not really too concerned about much of this, but, um, what, what I do want to do is, is, is get my blood pressure, you know, there's a certain, certain thing that has happened to me because, um, when I was younger, I had a heart murmur. My doctor, my pediatrician used to, uh, um, actually, there's a very good story <laughs> in this book about my first pediatrician who was just wonderful and was not problematic in any way. And it was really wonderful, um, enterprising young woman who went to medical school, opened a business, and became a fabulous doctor. She's the example of the kind of doctor you want. Now, the system has changed, so it's, hard. it's very hard to be this kind of doctor anymore, but this is the kind of doctor you want, this kind of system you want. But anyway, um, so I'm just trying to be a little bit more active in, in, my, in my taking care of my health. So I decided, you know, when I was younger, I had this, this second pediatrician who would listen to my heart and listen to it for a very long time and make all sorts of comments that I didn't understand. And so I started getting self-conscious about it. I'm like, what's going on? And he's, well, you have a heart murmur. I'm like, well, what does that do? Nothing. Your heart murmur is completely benign as far as I can tell. But let me listen to your heart. And he would listen to it for literally, I mean, five, ten minutes and just and it would get me very anxious because I thought, my God, well, you know, I wonder if something is really wrong with my heart. Well, I guess he'd want him to detect it, but why is he doing this? Is this for my, for my knowledge or is this for his knowledge? This guy was an elderly person. I don't think he needed to be educated on the, the sounds that the heart makes and all this other stuff. But anyway, you know, much later on, I found out that he was kind of a very sadistic kind of person um, with other issues that I was dealing with at the time. But anyway, so I'm... I, I, I've had this borderline blood pressure thing. And every time someone takes a uh, a reading of my blood pressure, it is pretty high. Um, when I say high, you know, my blood pressure is probably under 140 over 90, which used to be okay. In Europe, it still is okay to be that high. Here, we're down to 120 over 70. So of course, everybody is hypertensive on that on that def definition. I mean, um, and that might be a good thing because if you take your medicine, it might uh, prolong your life if if that's what you want. Um, but uh, so, okay, you know, I have this borderline high blood pressure, presumably. Let's just say we have that, and then I have this this white collar hypertension, which is basically a syndrome where when anybody takes your blood pressure, no matter who does it, in, in what setting, you, you get very nervous and it goes high. 
And I mean, mine goes very high. It can go, I mean, depending on the stressor. So, you know, 150 over 100 would not be unusual, you know. And, and you should know that I'm kind of, I wouldn't call it panicking, but you can hear my heart's going much faster than it usually does. Usually it's around 70. Sometimes it gets up 100, 100, you know. So you know I'm nervous, and I will actually even tell the practitioners, you know, I'm nervous. This happens every time I take my, I have this thing called white, well, I haven't had good luck with doctors in terms of this, because they keep telling me I have, I, even though I take it home, I finally, I used to get nervous taking it at home, and now I finally don't get nervous taking it at home anymore. And so when I first start taking my blood pressure, it's like 150 over 100, and then it goes down to 140 over 90. And then it goes up to 130 over 80, and then it even gets as low as 120 over 70. And by the time I've got myself used to taking my blood pressure again, I'm getting pretty normal results, even by American standards, American medical practice. Okay, so I've managed to, to, to conquer this little demon of mine um, at home, but I still can't do it anywhere else. So as part of my regimen, you know, talk to my doctor. She said, I, I, I'd like to take you off this diuretic and give you this other drug. This other drug, you know, opens up your blood vessels. And I've been having some side effects from diuretics because my eyes and my nose and my ears and my mouth and even my lungs are very dry and a little bit of constipation too, right? And then I cut the dose in half and I started feeling better, but I still, my nose would be clogged, but not from mucus from just being dry right it was hard for me to to breathe through my nose so i cut it down and i noticed okay the symptoms are starting to recede and so now that this new blood pressure medicine that my doctor prescribed is working so well and because she wanted to get me off in the first place when i when she first asked me about it i said hey let's let's yeah let's drop the diuretic altogether so i don't have these you know these problems side effects and the, and the one that you're giving me seems to be working fabulously. So either, you know, drop it. It comes in a combined pill. Either drop the, you know, just, just give me the, the new drug from now on. And if you have to raise it a little bit, fine. It's just it's a minimal amount. So I'm very happy with this. It's like I feel like I'm conquering my demons. I'm, I'm, I'm all gung-ho at my last appointment. I'm saying, hey, doc. And this doc, by the way, has been very nice to work with me because I have some mental issues, some neuroticisms to get over because of my past experience, not just with medical stuff, but uh, quite a bit of stuff that would shake you. So when I get into a medical institution, I'm already kind of nervous, right? but I'm, I'm not, I try to be as pleasant as I can possibly be. So I take the drug for a couple weeks and because this drug can cause problems in your kidneys, I, I was already, my kidneys were tested. They were beautiful. Everything was beautiful. Like my eyes, my eye doctor said, there's no way you have high blood pressure. There's no way you have glucose problems because your eyes are fucking, are perfect. Okay. There are all these signs that there really isn't that all that much of a problem. But anyway, so I go and I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, what, what, is it really going to hurt, you know, to take this thing? I said, okay. You know, that's what cannabis does for you. It opens up your, it's a vasodilator, right? And so I thought, well, I had a good experience with that because it would open up my nose and open up. 
I said, well, it's more or less, you know, maybe not technically the same mechanism, but uh, it seems like it kind of works for the same reason. So why don't we try this blood pressure medicine? Okay, so I tried it. So then, you know, part of the plan is to normalize this process so that I can go into the doctor and not get nervous and not have readings that are off the chart and everything. So two weeks after I started taking the, the medicine, I was, uh, I had some, the, the doctor ordered some things to be done, which were one little lab test to check to make sure my kidney functions were fine and that this new drug was not causing any problems. Second was to get my blood pressure checked, okay? So I thought, oh, this is going to be an easy one. But for some reason, I was feeling a little nervous. I had fasted the entire, entire night because even though I wasn't getting a lipid, a lipid test, I wanted to see what my, my metabolic, metabolic panel would look like, you know, and... If you eat one time and don't eat another time, it's hard to compare, right? So I thought, I'll fast. So I go in there, get up. I'm feeling just a little bit nervous because I know someone's going to take my blood pressure. I, uh, you know, everything seems to be fine. I look in my, the my chart, right? And then there are my appointments. Lab test, blood pressure visit, right? So I drive over. I'm feeling, you know, a little nervous, in a pretty good mood, you know, and I walk in and every time I walk in, I walk in with a smile on my face and I, I interact with the people at the front desk very nicely and say some jokes and compliment people on their whatever. And so they check me in and lo and behold in the system, there's my, 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 my blood check appointment lab and my blood pressure appointment 10 minutes later. This is in the morning, 9.30, 9.40. So I get there about uh, 9, probably there at 9.10. I sit at the lab. Last time I went to the lab, they were very prickly about getting there early. So I didn't poke my head in or anything, make myself known. So I sat there until uh, it was a little bit before 9.30. So a woman comes out. She says, well, I see that you have a lab appointment today. But it doesn't look as if there's an order for lab work. And so I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. And I said, well, okay, well, that's, and that started getting me already. Like, okay, taking my time to do this thing, telling me I'm not going to get this done today. And sure enough, that's what happens. I don't push it too far. So she says, well, you, you, you know, I understand you have another appointment. So she could obviously see the appointment, the other one coming up. If you want to wait in that waiting room and then, you know, when they take you there, you know, maybe you can discuss it with somebody. So I said, okay, fine. So I'm waiting and waiting, and now I'm, I'm waiting for like 20 minutes, right? And I'm starting to get a little, you know, agitated because I, I wasn't getting what I was getting done, right? I said, well, how, how can you, the, or the, the order was there. I mean, I don't, I don't understand what, it's quite clear what her intent was. So if, if you need to call her or whatever, call, but she doesn't even make an attempt. At that point, I know from experience, don't even ask them. I mean, it's, it's a, a clinic full of people sitting around. There is literally not another patient in the entire waiting room. When I get into the actual facility where the office is and the, the rooms are, there's pretty much nobody there. There are a bunch of nurses and other people, doctors, but th there's nothing going on. They're not, I mean, they're working, they're doing their whatever. But so I go up to the desk 
the nurse's station. I say, well, you know, I'm supposed to have this, you know, I'd like to stop, talk to someone to work this thing out because I had these two appointments and it doesn't seem, nobody seems to know what's going on with these appointments. But I'm supposed to get a blood pressure check and, and that's why I'm here. But can, can you help me with this other problem with the lab? And so there's about five or six people within earshot. The one guy who's a nurse who I like because he knows what he's doing and he, you know, he knows how screwed up the system is. I said, hey, are you my nurse today? He's like, I'm like, mm. so then this young nurse comes out, out and, 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 and begins to help me. And I'm like, oh, that's very nice. Okay. So she's, you know, everybody else is ignoring me. She turns her head and actually engages with me. And she's the lowest person on the totem pole, obviously. It looks like she just started working there. So I said, okay, can you can you check into it for me? And she, okay, go, go sit in that room. I'm going to take your blood pressure, you know. And so I sit in the room, and it's another 10 minutes, you know, before they get to me. And in the meantime, I'm, I'm getting really kind of antsy about this thing. You know, something that is just so simple. And nobody seems to want to help me. Everybody's ignoring me, you know. They're making it seem like I, I'm crazy, like, what do you mean you have an appointment with us? Two appointments. And, and you're saying this, and the system says this, but this is not computing for us. We don't know what to do. I'm like, okay. So I'm getting increasingly annoyed. And I'm still kind of trying to be, but maybe because I'm holding it in, I'm getting even more. So sure enough, the young, young woman comes in, and I tried to explain to her what's happening. She said, oh, I don't know, you know, I'll talk to my supervisor. She goes back out, she comes back in. She said, well, what we're going to do right now is take your blood pressure. So she puts the cuff on me, and she takes the blood pressure. My blood pressure is 156 over 97 or something like that. And she said, oh, your blood pressure is high. And I said, well, yeah, I'm a little agitated right now. I'm a little angry. I'm, I shouldn't have said angry because she actually wrote that in the chart. Anyway... I'm upset by the treatment I'm getting. And so this is not going to be an accurate blood pressure medicine. I didn't even get it. I wasn't even going to get in. I have this thing called white. Do you know what white, white coat hypertension is? Um, she said, well, tell me your, you take it at home? I said, yeah, I'll tell you. Okay. What's it been at home? Oh, it's been an average of about 125 over 80, I would say. It's been no higher than 140 over 90. None of my readings for the past three weeks, okay? Even when I wasn't on the medicine. Then um, I had readings as low as 109 over 60-something to the point where, you know, there are times where I was f almost fainting. You know, part of that is because I'm reducing my calorie intake, but part of it is a blood pressure medicine. So... You know, when you get up too fast, that was happening to me quite a number of times during the day, but I was okay, that's fine, I can I can deal with that, I just won't get up as fast, as long as this is doing what it's supposed to be doing. I'll get some benefit, right? So then she waits a little while. She says, well, let me take another one. So I said, well, you can take another one, but uh, it's going to be sky high, if not higher, because now I'm getting even more agitated. I just explained to you what's going on. I have, I've, you know, I don't really have that high blood pressure. That's not an accurate reading. So she's like, okay, I'll take it. So I said, all right, take it. 
So sure enough, it's even higher. <clears throat> it's like 160 over something, right? And by the way, when I got home, I had to decompress because it was a kind of a bad situation. But eventually when I got home, I took my blood pressure medicine at home. It was like 127 over 73 or something like that. So anyway, so I say, look, I'm getting increasingly angry because um, I, I, I'm not blaming you. I know this might not be you, or but you know, you're looking off my chart, and this is one of my points. This is medicine by my chart. So they only look at my, they don't even talk to you anymore as a patient. Right? They just go to I I uh, um I was gonna say iTunes. <laughs> they just go to my chart, and they see what it says in the blood pressure check, and it says check. Apparently, the doctor said check blood pressure. The blood pressure is you know high, still increased dose. Well, of course, it, I said, and she said, well, I think we're gonna have to increase your dose. And I and I thought to myself, lady, are are you are you as thick as I mean something is wrong with you. And this is what I'm beginning to understand about a lot of medical, but there is seriously something wrong with their, their brains are not working properly and they have no empathy and they have no bedside manner, right? So, um, and that's partly because of the system we have, right? This cookie cutter system, nobody's responsible. I can't even call my doctor on the phone. I said, call me ASAP and she didn't even respond still. Um, because she's trying to work with me on this. But I'm beginning to lose my faith in her, too. Um, the longer she d takes to get back to me, and she's not going to do it by phone, because nobody, none of the doctors can call their patients anymore, if you haven't noticed. It's all done through the system, right? So this is the negative part of electronic records. This is the more insidious part that we didn't really think about. We thought, oh, this is going to be great, because you can just send records back and forth, and... Yeah, that's great, but what it does is make people very lazy, right? And very, you know, they 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 do their practice by what my chart tells them to do, not by using their professionalism and their, their medical know-how and their get their bedside manner, their ethics properly in line. So anyway, she said, I think we're going to have to increase your your medicine. And I said, hold on a second. You're not increasing it because you're a nurse. Um, I don't think she was a nurse practitioner. I'm almost positive of it. She was literally 20 years old or something like that. No, she must have been 22 or 23, just fresh out of nursing school, maybe more, 25. Anyway, she's not going to increase it, but she says, we're going to have to, basically. And I said, look, if you increase my... Because nobody asked me what if I was having any reactions to the blood pressure medicine. I mean, this is part of the whole analysis, right? Um... If I take more blood pressure medicine, I am going to literally fall on my face and faint. Is, is that what you want me to do? Because if I get any lower, you know, 90 over 60 or 100 over, I had a reading that was 100 over something or other, and I thought, oh my God, one more step. And I'm, so I actually had a cup of coffee to raise my blood pressure. I mean, I'm just guessing about this stuff at this point. But anyway, you know, so I said, look, that would be disastrous. Um, you're not interpreting the data that I'm giving you properly. I've just given you a whole three weeks worth of data. I've just told you that there has never been 
a blood pressure reading over 140 over 90. And, you know, basically it's in the normal range. But I'm feeling faint many times a day. And uh, this continues. I'm, I am going to faint one of these times. So I said, no, no offense, I'm not angry with you. Can I please talk to someone who is a supervisor? I got to get this all worked out because I'm supposed to get labs and all this other stuff. So she said, okay. So then she comes back and said, okay, we got a supervisor. So it's the nursing supervisor. It's not a physician because there's a rotating cast of physicians. You don't necessarily get the one that I'm working with. I tried to request her, but when you request her, it's a two months away, your appointment. If you have something right in the moment, you get whoever's on duty on that team, the so-called team, right? There's a team of so many physicians, a team of so many nurses. Well, people are like, oh, well, that's a great thing because no matter if you go in, you'll have service. Well, actually what happens is it has, it, 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 it's a legal maneuver because it, it, nobody is responsible for your care anymore. Or maybe more people are responsible. If you sue them, I guess you could sue the entire team. But, you know, it's a way of, you know, uh, kind of spreading the blame, you know, and it's also a way of avoiding what you have to do. And all I saw in this office, lots of people, nobody said, you know what, I'm so sorry. You know, let me work this out. Let me call the doc. Let me send her a message. I'll get this all. All I have to do, get one, another doctor. And the group, they can sign an order to get the lab, get the purple sheet, go over to the lab, no problem, right? You know, the blood pressure thing, she comes in and is like, well, you know, she didn't want to break, uh, you know, nurse doesn't want to break protocol. And I said, well, are you going to take it a third time? Because is there something in the protocol where it says if you're getting inaccurate readings, you shouldn't take a third one? You know, I've explained this in detail and to this one too, but she came in with this attitude, hey, buddy. We're not going to put up with your complaining. Just get over it. You know? Um, I will talk to a doctor. And I saw the note that she put in there. And she put in a, Actually, her attitude is a little better in the note. Like, thank God. Because basically, she comes in and is like, you know, it's not like, I'm sorry. Let me work this out. It's like, what's your, what's your problem? You know, go away. So I actually did go away. I left. I said, I'm leaving. I'm going to talk to Dr. Hyatt, Dr. Oops, I kind of said half of her name. Just forget you didn't hear that. Um, uh, I'm not even going to edit that out. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I'm leaving. I will report to Dr. H, and we'll see how that goes. So... And meanwhile, while I'm waiting in that room, I'm starting, I'm not having a panic attack, but I am, I am elevating to the point where my breathing, I'm starting to hyperventilate, you know, and because I work in the field I do, I kind of know how to do this. And because I suffered from panic attacks in the past, I know how to, so I managed to calm myself down, but I was still really agitated by this point. But I didn't slam doors. I didn't yell at anybody. I didn't. I might have raised my voice a little bit about that much. Okay, that's about as much as I raised my voice. Okay. So I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a health practitioner too, and um, I just feel like I'm not being, not being respected here. You know, as a patient, if this is happening to me. 
Just imagine the homeless guy who comes in the next time, or whoever, right? Anyway, I, 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 I leave. I get in my car. I drive home. I'm still very agitated. I get home. I can't even, I can't even think straight because I'm so angry. Uh, I feel so demoralized. I, I, you know, I, I, I can't do anything. I can't pay attention. People are saying things to me. I'm not listening. I, I'm trying to distract. I turn on the TV, and then I, I, it's on a children's program. I don't even, I don't even change the channel to look for something I really want to see because I'm so preoccupied in my head with this stuff that's going on. So, I, I get into my bed and I put on some music. And I put the covers over my head. And, you know, within a certain amount of time, I start feeling a little better. Still agitated, though. Takes me two or three hours, you know, to to calm down without exploding. Right? Because I could have very well lost it. And I've done that. And I don't feel bad about it at all because it's appropriate under those circumstances. But I've decided that for my own sake that I'm not going to go there. So I end up, you know, and then I get start getting messages from the clinic, right? And I see what the notes are and I see all this stuff. And meanwhile, the doctor has not called me back. She still, she still has not called me back. It's getting on at 11 o'clock. So ASAP means nothing. She's not going to contact me through a phone anyway, but I thought I'd try. So anyway... Um, I write, you know, I write these, these notes and I'm trying to take care of other things that I have to sign up for. There's a nutritionist I have to see and all this other stuff. But in the meantime, you know, there are notes, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I write a note and I said, you know, I feel like I was very disrespected and it was a very bad experience. You know, um, the whole experience was a mess, um, I said it very diplomatically, however, and I made a little nod to, you know, you should, you should try to practice better, you know, you should try to, you know, try to improve your behavior or the, and or the institution, because some of these people are just, you know, they've given up because the institution is business now. They're more interested in business. They're not interested in helping people. If that's a side effect of it, that's fine. When my good pediatrician was practicing back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, right? It was a no, no problem. The medical thing was the whole point. You were there and the business was secondary. You know, you never even heard about that stuff. It just took care of, its, of itself, right? Now it's like you're in constant negotiations to get the most simple thing done. And there was just an article about insurance and these Medicare Advantage programs, which are horrible and fraudulent, but the government condones them. Um, you know, and all the problems that occur when you sign up for one of those. But anyway, it was a horrible situation. And it's just indicative of the whole system. It's practicing medicine by my chart is what I'm going to call it. Because, you know, there's never a conversation with any of these practitioners. You, you literally feel like a number. You go in there, you're a piece of meat. We're going to do to you what we need to do to get the data that we need, and then you'll hear from us. Okay, so I wrote that note. I got a nice note back from one of the nurses. 
said, I'm sorry. The first time someone said, I'm sorry you had that experience. You know, how can I help you? And then I said, this is the way you can help me. Then I had some other questions. Um, and another nurse, by the time I asked those, replied to those. And he seemed very competent. And so I made all these appointments. But I still haven't heard from the doctor in charge. I still don't have a lab appointment ordered. I still don't have, I'm, not, I'm never going to do a blood pressure reading with anybody, including the doctor, again. I will bring my data with me on my, <laughs> what I've taken at home, and they can use that because it's much more accurate. Anyway, this normalization thing is a complete failure, and I'm done because I'm not going to have another experience like that. So this is the kind of stuff that you experience in our medical system. Why? We all know why. Managed care. You know, the darling of Ronald Reagan, it has, it has hit its peak of non-efficiency. <laughs> Our medical system is in terrible, terrible trouble. If you can't even get these simple things done, imagine if you do have one of these things that these, this stuff is supposed to be venting, right? High blood pressure. What does that cause? Heart disease, heart attacks, glucose. What does that, you know, lead to? Diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Lipids, more cardiovascular issues, right? Clogged arteries and what have you. Um, liver enzymes, that's just, some people just have elevated liver. It doesn't mean there's any disease associated with it. In my case, it might be when they got the ultrasound back, it was like, yeah, there's a little bit of a fatty liver, but they didn't say what to what degree. But if you look it up, you know, even, you know, because my liver enzymes were up before with a different practitioner up into the, you know, like four times as high as normal. And he, he was like, stop drinking alcohol and we'll take it again. And sure enough, I stopped drinking and it went down, you know not within normal, but just slightly. All those are considered slightly elevated, but none of the doctors tell you that. And so I don't know, but basically I'm not going to refuse any kind of statin and any kind of thing that's going to be used for my liver because there's absolutely no problem. They found nothing in my ultrasound in any of my organs. And none of the tests are coming back, you know. So what is this all about? It's about having multiple visits that you need to pay for, Right. Multiple, you can't do a couple things at once. It can only be one thing that you do, right? It's all built separately. So now there are clinic fees, you know, and I went to get the ultrasound, right? There was a, cl a, a clinician fee for the person who actually did the ultrasound, and there was a clinic fee. I'm like, what's the clinic fee for? Well, you know what it's for? It's for building all these buildings that they're building all over the city. It's like an empire, and you should see it's state-of-the-art. My God. So, I don't know what to say. I don't have any good news about this system. But if I were to practice like this in my private practice, I would be ashamed of myself. I would, I would, I would be appalled at my behavior. I would be, if someone, one, a client came up to me and said, you know, I really don't like the way you did, you did that and this and that. I'd be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like, oh, what? what? Let's talk about it. You know, I hate it. Can I? None of that. 
none of that. They were about to call security on me. And I, I wasn't even that elevated. I was elevated inside of me. And I was using a, like a little bit of a voice, but I wasn't, you know, threatening or... I mean, come on. But they treat everybody this way. You know, and if you're going to get into the medical profession and treat people like this, please don't. If the system is bad enough. If you're getting in the medical system to become rich because you're feeding off all these fees, it's basically the equivalent of an ATM fee, right? How much does it cost them to process those transactions? Probably a penny. Probably not much more than that. How much do they charge you? Well, depends. Three fifty. They have seen the highest four fifty. Right? They're just they're just nickel and diming you to death, right? You know, same goes for you know. I mean, don't get interest anymore, you know, on your savings, and it's really quite a racket. So, all sorts of fees built in, right? So, I guess what I'm saying, people, is the system is very much rigged against us, and the um, oligarchical voice, forces that are in control are living high on the hog and having a great time at our expense. And all that anger, frustration, sadness, upsetness means absolutely nothing to them. And they could say, well, go find a different... Uh, good luck on that. They're all the same. I have had some amazing experience with specialists. Yeah, yeah, I went to see the ophthalmologist. He was amazing. When my wife was going through cancer treatment, oncologists, all those people were amazing. So much empathy, so much professionalism. And I, you just have to realize at some point that these people are not the top of the line. They just, but you have to be competent. You have to have ethics. You have to have professionalism, right? And you can't blame the system. You know, instead of taking out on the customers, talk to your managers. That's the only way anything's going to change. It's not going to come from the top down, that is for sure. You know, you say, well, I can't risk my job, I have a mortgage payment. Yeah. All right, it's going to affect you too. It's the same in the school system, college, medical system, mental health system. Pretty much every system. So that's what Descent of Man is all about. Some more examples in here that are really outrageous and they're true stories. Not necessarily mine, but some of my clients. It's all done confidentially. There's no names involved and certain things have been changed to protect uh, their identities and all that. So anyway, so I think that's all I have to say for today. I mean, you can probably fill in the blanks. There are numerous, numerous news articles about people going through these exact same miseries that are completely unnecessary. Um, it's just they don't want to pay out. You know, you pay the insurance, and they, you know, they're not, they're not really losing anything because you're paying tenth. You know, I pay what I don't know what my out-of-pocket maxes, but it's like three or $4,000. You know, I, I'm not even close to 
getting there. But, you know, I'm still paying, you know, pretty much out of pocket until I hit that. So anyway, um, what can we learn? We can learn from places that do have good medical systems, universal health care, and that's what we should be going for today. But people are so brainwashed, despite the fact that they either consciously or unconsciously, subconsciously understand that they're being mistreated by the system and that you are a problem and they want you to go away. They need you, but they don't like you. And one thing that's most important in practice is the rapport you have with the main practitioner you're working with, right? That is the number one determiner, determiner of outcomes in mental health. And in medical health, I will, I will give you the fact that, yes, maybe sometimes it's just a matter of putting a syringe and giving a shot and all that. So it's not as dependent. But what I'm trying to say is that with all these locks up, you know, um, that's putting up, it, it's, it, there, there, there is a failure of rapport, certainly, but it's even worse than that because you can't even get rapport with anybody because every doctor, every time you go, the doctor's different, the nurse is different, the, right? You can't build rapport, and if you can't build rapport, it's not that you can't get your blood pressure medicine and all that stuff, and that'll still all be effective. It's just you're going to be discouraged, from going to the doctor, and that's why uh, I am very discouraged from going to the doctor. And I'm lucky because I don't have, you know, at this point anything, you know, where I have to rely on them, right? But um, the only thing I really need done is get blood pressure medicine, and if this glucose thing, I might have to have some some medication to uh, to flush out some of the glucose, but um, I know I can do this through diet and exercise. I know I've already lost 20 pounds. You know, that's another thing. They didn't even look at that. They didn't even say, oh, maybe some of this is due to, you know, and if you lost that much weight, maybe you don't need to have such a high diet. No discussion whatsoever. So I go back in a couple of weeks and I'll see what happens. But people, I'm telling you, this is a dire situation. And I don't see it getting any better. But the only way we're going to change it is, is if we complain, right? And I use a complain purposely, the term complain, because it has a negative connotation. Shouldn't. You know? I'm not going to go write letters to people. I know that's completely useless. And there's a story in Descent of Men as to why that's the case, and it's a true story. But anyway, folks, I think I'm going to sign out. Yep. So... Sit for bye, Joe, for today. I'm not even sure what the date is. <laughs> I'm still a little shaken, I think, from yesterday. But um, I'm a, I'll put it up today. Thank you for joining me, and we'll see you again in a couple days. Take care.